You might think things look so dark and hopeless around you. You might even pull that sentiment in closer and think that things look dark and hopeless for you as an individual. Do you think God has just left you up to some kind of fatalism? Or is he going to step down into your pain and change things? Or will he just look on as you keep drowning in misery? The advent of Christ and his birth bring more hope than just 2,000 years ago, but hope and deliverance for you today. Well, good morning and welcome to God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. And that isn't to say that it's all just on the defense. Part of the resistance is going on the offense and doing it so aggressively. And as we are looking into this uh, Christmas season and the advent of Christ, at least celebrating the advent of Christ, there are some things that touch on the human condition, one of which is pain, judgment, you know, things that have happened that looks like your your life's been wronged, your life's been ruined, and where's God in this picture? And I blame God, I'm angry towards God, all these kind of things. A lot of times these things surface right in the middle of uh, holiday seasons because maybe we lost loved ones and we've got questions that have been unanswered and we've got all this going on. Well, I want to look at a prophecy in Isaiah uh, chapter 40, the first five verses, and we're going to look and see what God may say to you, listener, that has had some setbacks in life, that it looks like God is standing aloof, he's nowhere to be found, and just kind of run you through the ringer. So we read in Isaiah 40, verse 1, Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her, that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins." The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough places plain and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. So in order for us to even properly make any kind of application from the Bible to our lives to give us any kind of instruction or hope or anything, we need to understand, first of all, why this was prophesied, why these things were written down, who they were for, context. If we don't have context, words can mean a whole lot of things. So we need some context. So here we find the setting is that the Israelites and the people of Judah had been unfaithful to God for long, long time. And the prophets had warned them about judgment to come and they didn't really listen to those warnings. And so they ended up having to go into captivity in Babylon for 70 years. And Babylon and the empire was a ruthless empire, a very oppressive and nasty things that had happened. People that had no fear of God whatsoever. So they're there in 70 long years, which was told them ahead of time. They were ripped away from their homeland. Sometimes they were ripped away from their families. They were definitely ripped away from their customs, their comforts, their language, and their culture. But God sent this judgment, not just so that he could reveal how strong and mighty he was and to put people in their place, but he sent the judgment as a corrective measure. And it was always about his people's highest good. In this case, the people, uh, the Hebrews, the Israelites, the people of Judah. Now, I say Israel and Judah because it used to be one kingdom and because of some terrible choices of Solomon's son, it split into two kingdoms and there was problems ever since. 
But this judgment was for corrective measures for the highest good of God's people. After the judgment accomplished its purpose, there was an expected end. We read in uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. That is the true context of that verse. God's saying, I know that I put you 70 years in Babylonian captivity and you had to deal with all of this uh, as you know, this terrible situation, but my purpose wasn't ever just to kind of show my strong arm and to beat you over the head. I have an expected end. I had thoughts toward you, thoughts of peace toward you, not of evil. I had a purpose. I have a plan. And the plan was, this was remedial or corrective judgment. He was trying to get a hold of their hardened hearts and turn them back to himself. That was the whole purpose of this Babylonian captivity. So then when we come into this prophecy or prophecy that um, Isaiah is speaking in uh, Isaiah 40, we come to those words that we read. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Comfort, that's speaking of the people of Israel and in, in Judah, to comfort them. And he says, comfort ye. What, what is he talking about? Well, he's obviously directing this message to somebody in the comforting that he's, uh, or at least the charge to comfort, he is giving over to the prophets and the priests that were amongst all the people of Israel and Judah in the Babylonian captivity. You can look at the book of Haggai and the book of Zechariah when after Babylonian captivity, um, it says in Ezra that the people prospered under the prophesying, the encouragement, the preaching of Haggai and Zechariah and the, the promises of hope that God had given to his people as they constantly were saying these things to God's people as they were rebuilding the temple, they were rebuilding the city and putting walls around the city and Ezra and Nehemiah shows us the history of that. He says to them, the charges to them, you comfort my people, you prophets and priests, you comfort them. Now we're not just talking about a false um, comfort because it says, saith your God. So no longer is it the smooth tongue of the false priests, the false prophets rather. This really is the heart of God. This is the heart of the everlasting father to comfort his afflicted people after he had given them such severe judgment. He wanted to comfort them and he gave the charge to the priests and to the prophets to comfort my people, saith your God. There's a whole lot that we find in our day right now where we don't want to offend anybody, so we just speak very uh, kind and comforting words all the time. This is not this is not really the heart of God that we always just speak kind and comforting words. Sometimes we need to speak words of judgment and warning. Jude said to have compassion on some and then snatch some from the fire, uh, making a difference. We have to know when it's time to speak words of comfort and when it's time to thunder down uh, warnings and conviction towards people and saying, look, this is a terrible danger ahead. So this is, this is for a specific place and time where God is saying, you need to comfort these people because they've gone through hellish times on earth and I had a purpose for them, but now comfort must come. This is the comfort after the setbacks, after the hard and gruesome times under an oppressive government, after the suffering, after the trials. This is where the comfort comes. And this is to you, listener. This comfort comes to you as a result of perhaps God's judgment in your own life. 
Perhaps you've turned your back on God and have walked in, in, a, in a way that's not pleasing to him. And as a result of jo- God's judgment, you had setbacks, hard times, sufferings, trials. But the, 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 the blessing here in all this is God will bring the comfort to you that does not destroy but elevates. And it's through those setbacks, hard times, sufferings, and trials that God can rightfully give you this comfort without it destroying you. He's got to turn you back to himself because you have gone astray. We move into the next verse. He says, Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. So he says, speak comfortably. And the Hebrew words here means speak to the heart. Give comfort and encouragement to the aching, dejected heart. Not just words that help us understand something, but to move our hearts, to lift up our spirits. That's what he was saying, to speak to these dejected people inside of that oppressive situation. And he says, not only to the people, but to Jerusalem. That was a city that's lying in ruins. And it wasn't just the people, it was the entire effects of the of captivity. Jerusalem's about to be destroyed. The city that they they know they had known and loved and that you know some of them had grown up in when they were younger. He's saying, speak comfortably even to the city. There's going to be something happening in the city. And he says, cry unto her. And the idea of this is like the town crier the public proclamation. Don't keep this quiet. This needs to be heralded out into the public that there's going to be a public deliverance to come as well as a restoration for you as people and for the city of Jerusalem that now lays waste. Why? He said, because her warfare is accomplished. The time of her captivity and misery has reached its full end. God's purposes with all of that judgment coming through the Babylonian people, through the Babylonian army and through the Babylonian king, God's purposes with that have been accomplished. The army of God's judgment has conquered the pride and sin of his people. And that was the purpose behind it. He said, tell them, cry it out that the warfare has been accomplished. Her iniquity is pardoned. And this is speaking more about national iniquity, the, their protracted sin, their rebellion, their idolatry, their corruption that they continue to do over and over again. It has been pardoned. It's loosed. It's dissolved. It's not held against you anymore. And it says that they have, uh, she has received double of the Lord's hand. It already happened. And it seems to be the idea is that, they, that God's people, they received more than usual judgments compared to God's judgment upon other nations of those time because they had more light. There is a time uh, in life here when God puts you through his judgments and accomplishes his warfare against your sin, your rebellion, and your corruption. You're now softened of heart in your heart and you're ready to listen. You're ready to receive from God, whereas before you weren't listening. You may ask, well, why does it seem that God has dealt with me more severely than other people? Could it be, listener, that you have more light than other people and you've turned against it and you have therefore more responsibility before God? Could it be that God has a high and holy calling for your life and you have turned your back on it? When our hearts are softened towards God, he has accomplished his strange dealings for the highest purpose. You can now receive God's abundant blessing without squandering it on yourself. So you may receive double of that punishment from the Lord's hand because there is such a high and holy calling on your life because he's trying to deal with you differently because you've had that different light. 
we move into the third verse. It says, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And this is kind of a double meaning prophecy. It's deliverance from Babylon. It's deliverance from the spiritual Babylon, uh, ultimately here in salvation through Jesus Christ. Now that voice that's crying in the wilderness, we're told in Matthew 3, 3 was John the Baptist. And he's to prepare the way of the Lord. Now, this is talking about uh, an ancient custom that was around uh, that time that the kings were to send people and they did send people ahead to prepare the way for royalty. This was to be done in those wilderness or desert areas that did not have roads or passageways. So they filled in low spots, they flattened the hills, they widened the way for the king to come. John the Baptist was the forerunner for Christ's coming, for his message, for his deliverance, for his miracles, for his kingdom. God sends his workers before him when he prepares a way in your heart and life for his passage. And that may be hard and difficult and trying times and setbacks. Those may be God's workers. He will make the desert of your heart and life fruitful if you let him. Do you hear the voice crying in the wilderness of your heart, declaring the coming of the king into your heart? Are you, listener, preparing your heart for his coming? So that every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough places plain. And it says, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. God's gonna straighten everything out and make a plain path for Christ to come in your life. And then we're gonna have to respond. The glory revealed here had a small fulfillment in the deliverance of the God's people from Babylon, but the ultimate revelation we're told here is the coming of Christ. The glory revealed in his miracles is preaching it. I mean, it is God come in the flesh. And this seems very obvious that it's mostly talking about that time of Christ because it says not just the Jews, but all flesh shall see the glory of God revealed together not just for Jews, but also for the Gentiles, for the entire world, they'll see it together. It's interesting if you look at the Septuagint, and the Septuagint is um, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, which the New Testament writers quoted from, that, that translation, it says, where it says, they all flesh shall see it together, they say all flesh shall see the salvation of God together. So just as Christ in his salvation would be revealed to the world, it would also be personal to you. This is the advent. This is the good news of Christ coming into the world. And not only was it good news back then, but it's good news to you today, dear listener. It's good news to where you are living. It's good news to all the troublous times you've had in your life. And maybe you're still in those troublous times. Instead of turning and walking in darkness like you have before, turn toward Jesus Christ. Turn toward him with all your heart. Make a way for him. Prepare a way for Jesus Christ to come into your heart. And until next time, join the resistance, God's resistance. Your next step is to call 570-362-7782. That number can receive texts and visit godsresistance.com for more help. I would love to meet with you and get a coffee and to help you along in your journey to walk with Jesus.